0: Your employees very often are going to have amazing ideas that you didn't think of to actually improve your operations because they're the ones in it, doing it day in and day out, face-to-face with the customer, getting feedback and watching how things really play out. You are listening to the Infinite Franchisee Show. I am your host, April Porter. I am a franchisee empire building strategist, creator of the Infinite Franchisee Program, attorney, and an award-winning multi-unit franchisee on a mission to fill the gap between the franchise model and the executive level strategies you need to increase profits build a team and scale into multiple locations here we connect every franchisee to infinite possibilities on today's episode we're going to try a little something new we're going to be talking about a 7 minute strategy and then going into a deeper dive on some ancillary matters that could affect the strategy now today we're talking about how what is the state what is the state of retention retention is at the forefront of the employment discussion even though people may not realize it. So many people continue to complain. Let's be honest about it. It's complaining that the workforce is not receptive to job postings or that they are setting up interviews and not showing up or that they're beginning to work to get onboarded and simply ghost the business and not come in or quit without notice. Now, why does this continue to happen well many of the people that we deal with are actually working with high turnover businesses entry level minimum wage employees and although minimum wage has gone up the attitude about minimum wage maybe has changed where people are feeling much more deserving of a higher wage but it is still a wage for those just be entering the workforce so There is a bit of immaturity involved in this situation, but more importantly, there is a pattern here, and it's a pattern that we are missing the origin of. So all of these things I just mentioned, not showing up for interviews, not being able to get applicants to apply, people ghosting you, those are symptoms of a larger problem. And the larger problem is not in the workforce and it's not in your employment acquisition processes. You need to look at your retention processes. This sounds counterintuitive, I know. In fact, you might have some employees that have been with you for a very, very long time and are extremely loyal to you. Those employees are very embedded in your culture and the new employees are not getting embedded in your culture. So we need to look at retention. Why are the current employees staying and why are other employees leaving? Because if you're hiring, obviously you've lost people. So one of the ways to do this is with what is called a stay interview. A stay interview is when you have a one-to-one conversation with an employee. And it could be during a performance review or it simply could be a quarterly practice that you schedule stay interviews. Now, during stay interviews, this needs to be a place where your employees feel 100% comfortable to share with you any questions, concerns, desires that they have regarding their employment with you. This can be a difficult thing, particularly if your leadership involves micromanaging or being critical outside of the stay interview. If those things are happening, then just because you come into a one-on-one situation, sit down and say, I want you to be open and to share with me anything you have to say, you will not be in trouble, yada, yada, yada. They're thinking, yeah, right. I get in trouble all the time for little things. I'm certainly not sharing with you my deepest thoughts about this job, especially if they're negative. So we really need to have a very good understanding of what our leadership style is and use these stay interviews as an extension of that leadership style. You need to understand that that's how the employee will view it, even if your intention is different. So let's assume you have a great leadership style. When you sit down for a stay interview, you want to talk to the person, not about their performance necessarily, but about their experience. What is it that they really enjoy about their jobs? What lights them up? Where do they feel like they are excelling? What are some things that they do not like about their job? What are some tasks that cause them a significant amount of friction and they really hate doing them? Just these two questions are going to give you insight as to whether or not this person is in the right position or the right job duties are under this person. If someone enjoys their job for the most part, but part of their job duties they absolutely hate doing, how long do you believe they will stay? When will they start looking, right? This is kind of common sense when we break it down. Wow, I really wouldn't wanna be saddled with something I hate doing for a good portion of every day. Even if I loved other aspects, that might wear on me and I might begin looking for another job. So that's the first piece of the puzzle, really finding out how is their day-to-day going, how are they enjoying their day-to-day. Next, you might ask them for any suggestions or ideas that they have to improve the workplace environment, either to make things more efficient, more fun, serve their customers better, or just more enjoyable overall. This question provides a safe way for them to do two things. One, your employees very often are going to have amazing ideas that you didn't think of to actually improve your operations because they're the ones in it, doing it day in and day out, face to face with the customer, getting feedback and watching how things really play out. But number two, when you're asking for ideas and suggestions, this is a safe way of someone broaching a subject with you with something that's not working. And instead of saying, tell me something that's not working and now they have to be critical of you and they have to criticize you, you're asking for improvement. So listen carefully when they're giving these ideas and suggestions, what is the underlying issue or problem? If they're saying, I think we should be scheduled differently. I don't think that we need two people on at that point in time who are they working with? Is there a friction between the two employees? Have you noticed the behavior of the other employee being negative or causing drama or some other toxic relationship characteristic? Be on the lookout for that. Those are reasons people leave. So after you talk about those two things, next, you're going to flat out ask them, What keeps you here at this job? Why are you staying? Really listen to what they say and see if you can amplify that. And then finally, you want to ask a bold question. When was the last time you considered leaving and why? See what they say. They may tell you, oh yes, I've kind of been thinking about looking for other opportunities. Why is that? Really, it's the pay. You need to dive deeper. Just like we don't take pricing as an objection when we're making a sale to a customer, you need to dive deeper when an employee gives you wages as a reason they think they're thinking about leaving. An employee who is 100% happy with the culture and the job will rarely leave because of the wage. And if you dive deeper and you learn that that really truly is the reason that they are considering leaving, then that's your opportunity to get creative. Maybe this employee is ready to take on more responsibility for a pay raise or for bonuses or for a commission. So the stay interview can be your secret weapon to retention and it's perfect to do at the time of performance evaluations but not with a performance evaluation. They need to be two separate and distinct things. So conduct a performance evaluation and then come back and do a state interview, even if it's the next week, giving them time to absorb what you discussed in that performance evaluation. I hope this helps you, and I hope you join us in the next half of this segment to dive a little deeper on an issue hitting employment in the franchising industry. So now we're back to dive a little bit deeper into another employment in the industry, and this just hit the news this week, it's breaking news everybody. In California, they just passed a bill making fast food franchisors label for franchisees labor practices. This is groundbreaking. I'm sure you all have heard the term joint employer. We've discussed it here before. It's a hot button topic in the franchising world because joint employer is a legal standard that says the employee, and the employees of a franchisee, could also be considered employees of the franchisor in certain situations, and if the right conditions exist, the franchisor may then be responsible for any employment violations that the franchisee commits with or without the franchisor's knowledge. This is dangerous for a franchisor. What it means is the franchisor may be liable. Now, this usually would only come up if a lawsuit had been initiated by an employee or possibly by a franchisee in some situations. But it is a legal claim that an attorney could bring, usually representing an employee or franchisee, against a franchisor that would potentially open the door to litigation and make it possible for the plaintiff, the franchisee or the employee to win, depending on the state that this legal action is brought. Franchisors want to limit liability in as much as possible. And the outside world wants to sue franchisors many times simply because they're the deeper pockets in the relationship. What do I mean by that? I mean, if an employee is going to sue their small town business owner, who's a franchisee for bad employment practices, maybe discrimination, or maybe just violation of overtime laws, they can sue that small business owner, but the small business owner, let's face it, has limited resources. So the judgment and the ability to receive compensation for those violations is small. However, if the employee could also sue the franchisor, then the judgment potential is bigger and it's more likely that the employee can collect on a large judgment. So when an attorney is looking at a situation, the any way that they can bring a franchisor into the lawsuit or into the equation is good for them because it's a possibility of walking away with more money. Let's just be frank about it. That's the case. So that's the danger of joint employer liability. What California has done though, takes it uh, 10 steps further because California is now getting involved as a state in the relationship between a franchisor and a franchisee and their employees. So California with this bill is saying that franchisors of brands with at least 100 units nationwide if they have a franchisee that has violated a state employment rule then the franchisor would have 30 days to resolve the problem or may ask for an extension and receive 60 days to solve the problem. So let's break this down, what does that really mean? Well, if an employee makes a claim to the state that their employer, who would be the franchisee, has been having them work overtime, but not compensating them for overtime. When that complaint is received, the state notifies the franchisor and says, you have to get involved and fix this. So now the franchisor is required by state law to somehow work with the franchisee to avoid violating overtime practices. Now let's take it back to the franchisee level. What if the franchisee has been having these employees work overtime because they are so short staffed? And maybe they just don't understand overtime. employment law and how much they have to pay for overtime. Well, maybe it's as simple as the franchisee. We're having a discussion with the franchisee and the franchisee beginning to pay that person appropriately. Or maybe it's actually a cash flow problem and the franchisee doesn't have the money to pay for overtime. Now, does that mean that they're in the right by not paying their employee? No. But how does the situation get resolved with the franchisor getting involved? I don't know that it does. Is the franchisor going to send people to work in this franchisee store to alleviate the problem so that they have a chance to hire more people for regular wage rather than paying overtime? Maybe that's something they could do. What if it's a health or safety issue though? And what if the franchisee just refuses to fix it? So the franchisor is now responsible to resolve this within 30 days or ask for extension and do it in 60 days. If the franchisee refuses to fix whatever whatever has been deemed a health or safety issue, what is the franchisor's recourse? Well, it may be default. That might be, it's either default or the franchisor faces higher penalties from the state. Now this obviously puts a franchisor in a real pickle because what if that store performs really well for them as a franchise unit? There are many more examples that we could go through illustrating how it may or may not make sense in a common sense world for the franchisor to be the one responsible to fix a problem that an independent business owner or franchisee has caused in their own unit. But by the state now of California, it is strict liability. What that means is the state identified a problem, the franchisor is strictly liable to fix it. Notice there's nowhere in this conversation where the franchisee has been required to fix it by the state. So now the franchisor needs a process in place. If they receive a complaint like this from the state, what is their process to bring that to the franchisee? And what is the process to work with the franchisee to resolve it and also the consequences for being unable to resolve it? How does that affect their system overall? How does that change the franchisor's operations and the way that they train their franchisees? And do the franchisors just sit back and wait for a complaint like this to arise? Or does this make the franchisor get involved more and more and more in the daily operations of a franchisee and the management of their employees? And if so, is the franchisee truly an independent business owner any longer, or are they simply a manager of a franchise unit? And it If so, that is not why the franchisee invested their life savings and got into business ownership. They didn't do it to be a high level employee of the franchisor. They did it to have independence, time freedom, and unlimited income. So this law that is going into effect is going to have immense ripple effects throughout the state of California when it comes to the fast food industry. But in addition... What are the implications of it moving to other industries within California and then from there sweeping across the nation for franchising as a whole? This is something that needs to be on everyone's radar and franchisors need a plan to protect themselves while still providing the support and the training that franchisees need to be successful. So, That is one of our hot topics here in June. We are meeting with franchisors and we are talking about how to balance joint employer liability with independent ownership of the franchisee and the proper support and training for that franchisee to succeed as an independent business owner. So if you're a franchisor and you want to enter that conversation with us, then just reach out to us. Now, if you're a franchisee looking for more help on how do you manage your employees and how do you retain them so that you can have an awesome culture that is fully bought into your mission and your model, then you wanna join us for our short staff to super staffed webinar that we're hosting this month. There's two options. We're gonna put the link right here in the show notes so that you can choose which date works best for you. So go ahead, jump in the show notes, click and join that free webinar to learn all the secrets of attracting the right employees, interviewing them, hiring them, onboarding them, and retaining them long-term. And then of course, tune in next week for the Infinite Franchisee Show. Thank you for setting aside time to grow your business and mindset with me today. Every franchisee has a dream to achieve sanity, wealth, and gratitude. And I created this podcast to help you do just that. So if you loved what we covered and you know someone who could benefit from it, I would be honored if you would share it with them. Between now and next time, don't you dare settle for anything less than infinite success.